Hi friends, Brad here, the lead pastor of a new church called The Table. This podcast is a short insight to what we do every week, and we think that long, drawn-out messages lose meaning. So over the course of this podcast, you'll find questions that we pose to our people that they'll discuss in real time. And so we would love for you to find time to reflect on these questions as well. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and check us out at thetablejoliet.org. Oh my goodness, yeah, doesn't that look amazing? Well, good morning, my name is Brad, welcome to the table. We're so glad that you have joined us this morning. Um, If you weren't here last week, you missed a great week. Uh, We started a new series called The Table, and we were talking about how important setting the table is. And so last week, uh, we set the table with junk food. And why would this week be any different, right? Why would this week be any different this morning? So uh, this morning as we begin, uh, you're wondering what's with the cake? What's with the balloons? Why is there a party this morning? And we are celebrating. Uh, Number one, uh, there's a few things I want to celebrate. So can, can you just save your applause for the end? Can we do that? Yeah? All right. First thing we're celebrating is that we have made it one month as a church called The Table. Isn't that fantastic? One whole month. Yes. We are excited about that. And last week, uh, we had this wonderful discussion about why we chose the name The Table, what our mission statement was, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But, but, last week, we had three people who decided to move forward in their faith. Yeah, yeah, we'll clap for them in just a second. I want a loud, boisterous scream. Because last week, uh, we had a young gentleman recommit his life to Jesus, which is fantastic. We had a young lady say, I want to move forward in my faith, and I'll do one-to-one mentoring with you. And then somebody uh, uh, gave us a card last week and said, I would love, young lady said, I would love to be baptized. I want to let the community know where I stand with Jesus, and so I want to be baptized. So on the count of three, can we celebrate those folks? One, two, give them a three, go. Yes. Yes. That is why we exist. That is why we are here. By the way, we've been in this series. This is our first, our second week of the series called The Table, and if you missed the first week, uh, I want to catch you up this morning. Um, Typically, we would invite you to go and check out our podcast, but we had some technical difficulties last week. So unfortunately, it's not up. So I'm going to catch you up this morning, which is so good. Uh, So last week, we were introduced to a guy named Levi. If you remember this guy, he was a tax collector. Life was going well for him. He was making lots of money. He was doing well. His family was sitting very, very nicely in, 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 in society. And all of a sudden, this guy named Jesus walks up to him, taps him on the shoulder, and he turns around and this guy says, hey, come along with me. Come along and follow me. And we talked about this idea that, that Jesus seems to be addressing the fact that Levi is stuck in the familiar, that he has been doing this life for so long that it's become comfortable to him. And Jesus, when he says, follow me, is begging him to step out of the familiar. Because when we love familiarity, we will never step into God's future. And we believe that people who get in a rut and they get stuck and who keep doing the same things over and over and over again will never step into what God has for them. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, come along with me. And so we find in this story that this this phrase becomes the passion in the heart of our mission statement at the table. By the way, the whole story we told last week was why we chose the name The Table. And so here's our mission, and this is where we got it from, is this story with Jesus. And our mission is this, is to guide people into a forward-moving relationship 
with Jesus. There's no questions about it. That's exactly why we're here, is we want you moving forward in your faith. And what's so fun about this is people look at the words forward moving and they're like, why are you just about new people? And we say, hey, forward moving is about everybody. It's for everyone because we think that you can be a Christian for 40 years and totally be stuck in what you're doing. And so we think that this is for everybody. Everybody needs to be moving forward in their faith with Jesus. And of course he thinks that. And so we find him sitting down at a dinner table. It's funny, after Jesus says, follow me, Levi says, you follow me. And he takes him back to his house and they have this massive dinner party where we're told that everyone was there which is an absolute blast, and he's sitting down, and Jesus begins to address some of the people that are, that are there. In fact, Luke tells us that there were some, quote, disreputable characters, which I love that. In other words, uh, their jobs and what they did in life were so bad that we can't actually say it. So he says there's some disreputable characters, and then there was another group of people that's defined here, and it says those who belonged to their sect. In other words, the people that belonged with the disreputable characters. And we quickly find, we quickly find that it's the religious people that belong with the disreputable characters. And Jesus, what I love, as he's sitting around a dinner table, says, hey, we don't care where you're from, what your background is, what you've done in your life. The bottom line is you're all broken and you all belong here. In fact, this is where we landed last week. He said, I have not come here for the healthy. He said, I've come here to help the sick get healthy. And so I love this picture of people who were righteous and people who think they were right, along with people who know that their life was so messed up, are all in the same boat as Jesus talks to them. And so this is where we ended last week. We said, hey, the table is a place for you to get healthy. That's why we serve you junk food. <laughs> but that's what we want for you. When you come here, we just want you to be healthy. And so this morning, as we begin, one of the things we love to do, if you're new here, hey, totally cool. We'll have a God that will walk you through it. But we would love for you to either talk, take notes, or text somebody the question that we're about to pose to you. And if you're uncomfortable talking, it's fine. If you're an extrovert, please do not talk to the people who are writing. They don't want to talk to you. So this morning, as we begin, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to work with this question. What is the most memorable moment in your life? What is the most memorable moment in your life? So we're going to give you a couple minutes. I want you to talk, share with each other. We'll come back and we'll pick up that idea. thinking about your discussion as you sit around the table and you talk about your most memorable moments. And um, I've been thinking about my most memorable moment, other than having kids and being married to my wonderful wife, Janelle. Um, I was reminded of when I was in college and I had the opportunity to go visit one of my favorite artists, Dave Matthews. Now, I know some of you do not like the Dave Matthews band, but I loved the Dave Matthews band. And there was something about Dave. I don't know. It was just the fact that he seemed so strung out and he just strung any kind of words together that he wanted. None of it ever made sense. And of course, even today, after listening to all of his music, none of it still makes sense to me. But I love it because it's artistic and fun. In fact, there is a whole uh, 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 genre of music dedicated just to Dave. You know this. In fact, they call it jazz fusion. 
Jazz fusion is, is, is like jazz and pop and rock and, and this folky kind of sound all mixed together. And so my best friend said he got tickets and he's like, hey, you want to go? And I'm like, absolutely, let's do this. And so we drove all the way over to U of I. Uh, we were from Ohio, drove over to U of I. I dropped my, my lovely wife off at the time because I didn't want to expose her to, to such nastiness, I guess. I knew what the, the concert was going to entail. And so I took her home and then my friend and I went out to have an absolute blast and um, I remember walking in thinking to myself you know we all look a bit different like we don't look the same there's just something different about all of us and of course I didn't really feel like I fit in at that moment Um, I just wasn't cool and hip enough I guess or hippie enough one of the two I don't know but as we walk in you could feel the anticipation and I'm looking around, and I know there's plenty of security. There's a cop standing right at the end of our row. And that was kind of important because I was shocked at what happens here in just a minute. But, but I remember the, the lights go down. And I start screaming like I'm on a roller coaster. And I hate roller coasters. And I'm like, yeah, Dave! You know, I'm just stoked about this. And Dave comes out and does his famous Dave shuffle. Y'all remember this? No, well, let me, let me demonstrate. Dave comes out, and he's like, does this thing where he just, you know, he starts to get going. He's just, man, he's jamming, and I love it. And so we're going crazy, and we're screaming. And I look out, and all of a sudden, I see these lights just flickering everywhere. And I'm like, hey, what is that? I should have brought my lighter, you know. Back then, we didn't use cell phones. We used lighters because we didn't have cell phones. And by the way, lighters last longer than your battery on your phone. So note to self, get a lighter before you go to a concert. So everybody's lighting up, and I'm like, what are they doing? And he's like, hey, just, just give it a minute. You'll see. And so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I notice that people are passing. There's a cop at the end of our row, and these people are passing down something that looks like a cigarette, but it's not a cigarette. And the only thing I could think of in my mind was, why is everybody putting this up to their lips? I mean, don't they know that there's things like fever blisters and oral herpes? Like, you don't know the neighbor next to you. Why in the world are you putting that in your mouth? And so, of course, it's passed to me, and I'm like, I'm not touching this thing. I don't know where it's been. I don't even know what it is. And so my friend grabs it, passes it down. But I think about that experience, and it wasn't the fog. It was totally all the smoke that was taking place. And we were having an absolute blast. And I remember thinking about the power of a concert. That people from all over, from different cultures, different backgrounds, it didn't matter where you came from, how rich, poor, black, white, it didn't matter who you were. All we know is that everybody was having a blast, enjoying Dave. We were celebrating, and some were passing the good stuff. (laughs) Memorable moment of my life. And so I wonder, what are the moments of your life, if you could just pause life for just a moment, you'd love to live there for the rest of your life? See, I think for some of us, (laughs) I love Tiger. Um, I think for some of us, Maybe it's marriage, right? You remember the day that you were married and you were standing in the back or maybe you were standing up here and you were looking ahead, but you had all of your friends. You had all of your family. You felt so full because all of these people were joined to watch you celebrate your marriage. Maybe for some of you it's traveling. Maybe you went all over the world. You've been all over the world. Um, I've heard this joke before that people from the Midwest don't know that they can leave the Midwest. And... um, by the way, if you ever leave the Midwest, there's some really cool things like mountains and big cities. And, um, and I know we have Chicago, which is great. But maybe you went somewhere overseas and you stepped into a city and you were like, man, I didn't know cities could look like this. 
and you just stood there in the moment wishing you could pause it. Maybe it was when you went to college. You remember this? The moment you went to college and you knew that you were no longer under your parents' guidance and their instruction and they were going to tell you what to eat and what to wear and you had this freedom. And if you could live in that moment of freedom for just a second, you know you'd love to pause it and stay there. What about kids? I'll never forget having our first kid. It was April Fool's Day. <laughs> My wife wakes up. She says, it's time. And I said, no, it's not. We have another two weeks. And so we did. We went to the hospital on April Fool's Day, and I told all of our friends, here comes my, my son, and they didn't believe us. And so I'm taking pictures of Janelle hooked up to all the IVs and sitting in the, in the hospital, and everybody's like, this is totally staged. This is an absolute joke. And nobody came. <laughs> so finally, my son CJ gets here, and I'm like taking pictures, and I'm sending them to everybody, and like, Oh, he does exist. And so they all came at 6 o'clock at night, and we had a great party. But having a kid was one of those moments that I would just love to stay there forever. Now, moms, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe having kids was one of the most painful moments of your life. Right? Isn't that part of it, too, that some of our most memorable moments are some of our most painful moments in life? Like some of the things that we would love not to put pause on, but rather we'd rather fast forward to become the things that are ingrained in our mind over and over and over the course of our life. And so I wonder this morning for you, do the exciting, memorable, joyous moments for you outweigh the most painful moments? Do the things that you celebrated in life outweigh those moments that were so hurtful? And I really want to tie it to this idea of when I say the word church that i wonder for many of us if church has been this exciting exuberant joyful like i can't wait to get there kind of moment or if it's more like like this where it's this mundane boring like i want to fall asleep i don't even know why i came today and maybe you've been in church long enough to know that people come to church and people are human, and people hurt each other. And so maybe you say, man, church has been a painful place for me. So as we begin to look at this beautiful story that's about to take place and why we chose the vision for our table, I want you to begin to think about this question. What kind of church do you envision for you? What kind of church do you envision going to? And the question we're going to wrestle with is this. What kind of church do we envision for the table? And so before we do, I want you to share your experience. So turn to your neighbor and talk. You can take notes and journal, or you can text somebody this question. Wake them up and say, man, this is a great question. What has been your worst church experience? Or if you've never had one, share your best experience. But take a couple minutes, talk about it, and then we're going to talk about what kind of church we want to be. So up to this point, we've been working with this idea that all of us have had moments in our life that we love to live in. We've also had moments in our lives where we prefer not to live in them. But either way, they were memorable. 
And we've been asking this question, is church memorable for you? Is it something that you're passionate about? Is it something that you're excited about? In fact, this is what we want to talk about this morning is the vision that we have for the table. And so to do that, I want to introduce a writer. And if you were here last week, this is the same guy writing the same story. Uh, but his name is Luke. And Luke leaves his lucrative career, by the way. That's a great joke. Oh, man. You know those theology jokes. They never get old. Luke leaves his career as a doctor, and he's hearing these things about Jesus, and he decides to leave and go out on a journey to find out whether everything that was being said was true. And so he goes out, and he goes from community, community to community to table after table after table, and he sits with them, and he talks with people, and he asks questions, and he begins to document everything that he hears about the life of Jesus. And when he gets done with that, he is so captivated by the story of Jesus that he decides to follow him. And Luke writes a second book, and the reason he writes the second book is because he knows that as followers of Jesus, it is so easy for us to become bystanders and people who are just big fans of him. I mean, when you think about the awesome life of Jesus and everything that he has done, it is easy for us to sit there in awe and say, wow, and yet never participate. In what God is doing. And so Luke understood that this is a problem for a lot of us. In fact, this is a problem in a church. We just love to come and, ah, and never get involved. And so Luke addresses this very issue because he understands that the story of Jesus doesn't end with Jesus. The story of Jesus does not end with Jesus, but rather he followed a bunch of followers after the life of Jesus to document what they did because he knew and he knows that God's action in the world comes through people like you and people like me. And so he writes this book creatively named Acts. And this morning, this is where this story, this is the story that provides the vision for what we're going to be as a church. And before we get to the scripture, which by the way, it's just at the end, I want to catch you up on this story because it's so good. Jesus resurrects from the dead. He dies on the cross. He resurrects from the dead. He's, we know that he, he, gathered with a lot of his followers for about 40 days and they would sit around tables like this and that was where he would give their marching orders and one of the things that he says to him right away which I find so funny he says on no account will you leave Jerusalem now the disciples are confused because up to this point Jesus was saying my love is for everybody my salvation is for the world I've come to save all of humanity that's why I'm here and they're like why in the world would we just stay in one spot and he says, listen, uh, my father is sending you the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, what in the world is a Holy Spirit? Like, we still kind of wonder, what is that today? What does that look like? Who is the Holy Spirit and how does that work? And Jesus says, hey, listen, you'll know when it arrives. You'll know the moment when it shows up, but I need you to stay right here. So Jesus leaves, they go back to the upper room, and we find all sorts of people are gathered. And guess what they did? They started praying. He started praying and praying and praying. I love this thought, and this is just free. This isn't part of the message. It's just this, that prayer is the powerful act that precedes the movement of the Spirit. Prayer is a powerful act that precedes the movement of the Spirit. You see, you just didn't come here by accident. The table did not show up by accident. There were people who helped launch this thing, who spent hours and hours and hours and days after day after day praying for you and praying for this place. 
And so they're praying, and if you're like me and you have ADD, then you know how hard it is to stay focused. And so they, they get in this wonderful game of draw the straw. Uh, and so um, they realize that there was an empty seat uh, in the group of people who were allowed to be considered disciples. And so they start drawing straws for who's going to fill Judas's seat. By the way, Judas is the guy who kissed Jesus, betrays Jesus, buys a farm, goes out, hangs himself, and that tells us that his guts were spilled all over his field and that the, ho the house and the farm is still haunted today. Sounds like a great place to go to on Halloween. By the way, we'll be covering that story next week. But they're drawing straws, and all of a sudden, in the middle of this awesome game that they're playing, this gale force wind, or this hurricane force wind, shows up, and these people get excited. I know, you can, you can sense it this morning, the excitement. These people are excited, they are stoked, because... The thing that Jesus was promising all of a sudden shows up in their life and they're celebrating what God is doing and they start speaking in different languages. There were people from all over the world and yet everybody understood each other, which I love this. It's kind of like uh, interpreting a two-year-old. Isn't it funny how you can understand your own two-year-old, but if somebody else's two-year-old comes up and talks to you, you have no clue what they're saying. And then their parents look at you and they're like, well, they're saying, and you're like, yeah, I would have never guessed that. It was like a two-year-old interpretive party that everybody just understood what everybody was saying. And it was this powerful moment. And of course, there were people on the outside looking in who thought those on the inside looked like a bunch of crazies. By the way, we still look like that today sometimes. I know, we're kind of goofy, we're kind of weird, we have some crazy thoughts. But I also think we're the most adventurous and that's why people look at us like, they're interesting and so people on the outside are looking in and said, these people are slitched. It's only nine in the morning and they are drunk as a skunk. And Peter gets up and he says, hey, I know, I know what it looks like, but it's not what you think. In fact, uh, we have been waiting on this thing called a spirit which is supposed to be this movement that takes place and we think that this is it in the moment in fact here's what I know and he addresses these people that are on the outside looking in he says I don't know if you know this but you are the ones who hated on who threw shade on who nailed Jesus to the cross and guess what he resurrected from the dead and nobody else in history has ever done that and he's here, he's here to offer you hope, he's here to offer you a new life, and I want you to change your mind. I love that idea, because that's what repent literally means. It means to change your mind about what God can do in your life. So he tells these people face to face, you need to change your mind about what God wants to do in you. And so it's crazy, because people start getting excited and they start accepting the offer that Peter has for them and what we find is Peter when he's in his message he says man y'all need to be changed from the inside out and I love this thought because I think this is what God wants for us and I think this is what a movement of the spirit looks like see people people's lives were being changed on the inside and when they were changed on the inside then they would go to the outside and people would on the outside would look at them and say Wow, I don't know what you're, you look like you're at a Dave concert. I don't know what you're smoking, but I want whatever you've got. Whatever is exciting in your life, I want that. 
So these people begin to share about Jesus in their life. They say, you need to come and check this out. And then they come in, right? They bring those on the outside in. And those on the outside come in. And all of a sudden, their lives get changed. And then they go out. And people look at their lives and they say, what do you have? Because I want it. And they said, well, come with me. And so you have these people that were going inside to the outside, and they were bringing people on the outside back inside, and you have this in-out, in-out, in-out kind of movement, which sounds a lot like what? Breathing. Isn't that, that funny that the Spirit also translates the breath of God? See, see, we think that a, a movement of the Spirit has to be like we're all standing up and we're all raising our arms and we're all in the Spirit. But literally, it's just about God doing some crazy work in people's lives. That God shows up out of nowhere and all of a sudden begins to change broken lives and people who are on the outside move on the inside. And it was so captivating that that day, 3,000 people were added to their number. See, I think it's funny. Like, we think today 3,000 is a mega church. But 3,000 in a lot of 300,000 people looks like a blip on the radar. In one day, 3,000 people were added to Jesus' number, to those who were following. So I tell you that whole story to tell you this. Because here's what follows. I love it. This is what Luke tells us in Acts. It says this. They followed a, say it with me now, Daily discipline of worship. I find that funny because we think 1.7 times is a lot in a month. By the way, that's how much we attend church is 1.7 times a month. I think the point three part is just our head we left at home when we come sometimes. I don't know where they get the point seven, but that's what it is. 1.7 times a month is how many times we attend. They were doing it daily. Gathering. Growing. Getting out and sharing their story, which, by the way, is our core values. I'm, we'll talk about this later, but we want to gather weekly. We want to grow spiritually, and we want to get out and share the story. Gather, grow, and get out. These people are doing this every day, every day, eating together, worshiping. And then it says this. After they went to the temple, it was followed by meals. And I love how Luke describes the meal. He says, these were meals of celebration, exuberant and joyful. And they were praising God. This is so key. Meals of celebration. I love that. And then this is my favorite part. People in general liked what they saw. I wonder if we were to ask people on the outside today if they in general like what they see from us. People, in general, loved what they saw, and every day people were added to their number, those who were saved. I love this vision that we get of people following Jesus. In fact, to, to, to go where I want to go and to take you where I want to take you, I need to just acknowledge where we've been before. Some of us have been in places, we've been in churches, we've been around people who consider this, themselves Christians, and over time it's been a painful experience. It's not been, been an exciting experience. In fact, a lot of the churches that I've been to and a lot of the churches that I've been a part of, I walk away with the sense of there's got to be something more. You, you ever walk away with that sense in your life? 
that in your life you, 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 you walk away on a Sunday and you're like, really? Is that it? Is that the only thing that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has to offer us? So a new vision I give you at the table. We envision this being a joyful, exuberant Jesus party where everyone belongs. That's what we want. That's why we have balloons and cake is to remind you that this is why we exist. That when people start to give their lives to Jesus and they move forward in their faith, there's a celebration that takes place. There's an excitement. I mean, if you're not excited about God changing people's lives, you need to get excited. I mean, when you walked in here this morning, it says the party. That was on purpose. That wasn't an accident. And you may or may not like it. Oh, well, it's there. That's what this is. It's a party. Because when we come in here, we're going to worship. We're going to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of people. And what I love is that everyone belongs. You see, I think it should look like a Dave Matthews concert in here. I don't care where you've been, what your background is, what your ethnicity is. I think the kingdom of God involves everybody. I, I kind of get tired of people saying, you know, you, your church that you grow will look like you. I don't want it to look like me because y'all look like a bunch of hillbillies. Man, I, I think when I think about what Jesus was doing and what was happening in Acts, it was a beautiful picture of people from all over the world gathered together. Black, white, Hispanic, it didn't matter. Poor, rich, single moms, single dads, married people. It didn't matter where you came from, what you were doing in life. Jesus was the focal point for that. And people are celebrating. I want it to look like a concert where we all pass the good stuff down. Communion, come on, get real. I don't know where, where your minds are today. So that's what we envision. So here's what I want you to do. I want to celebrate. I want you to celebrate. First of all, if you don't have something to celebrate today, let me just say today's the day. Like, I truly believe life could be different for you. If you keep saying, there's got to be something more for me in life, I'm just letting you know right now that you can make Jesus the leader over your life in this moment. All you have to say is, Jesus, I want you to lead my life. I let you lead all of me. I mean, you could pray that prayer right now, just looking at me. You don't have to close your eyes. You can say in this moment, Jesus, today, I want whatever they have. I want this exciting, joyful, exuberant life that you promised me. So today you just say, I make you the leader of my life. For those of you who have been in church your entire life and you have lost the passion, we prayed for you this morning. <laughs> because we want you to recapture the vigor and the joy of what God has to offer for you still. I want you to celebrate. See, I remember the moment that I met Jesus. It was about nine years ago. I went to this church, and the pastor was my mentor. And I remember I was just getting out of the army, and so I was a jerk, and I was arrogant, and I thought I knew everything that there was to know about the world and people and politics, and nobody could tell me differently. And I remember sitting there, and I began to, to read this psalm that was all about being broken and needing God's mercy. And I don't know what it was on that Ash Wednesday. All I know is that I started crying my face off. 
And I'll never forget, my pastor, after everybody left, came up to me and he said, God is breaking you to do something great. God is breaking you for ministry. And that's how I got here. And my life has never been the same. And I promise you, wherever you are, no matter how broken you are, no matter how hurt you are, no matter how broken your family is, it does not matter. God meets you in this moment, and he says, take it. I'm offering it to you. So I want you to go back, and I want you to remember where God has changed your life. And today, we're going to celebrate that. And you're saying, how are we going to do that? Well, we just want to be creative this morning. And so I just didn't feel like juice and bread would get it done. So this morning, uh, if my folks would come up and unveil the goodness, I know some of you are going to call me and you're going to tell me, Brad, this is so sacrilegious. You're going to email me, you're going to text me, and I'm just going to delete it. But I think if Jesus were here, this is what he would do. So this morning, as you come forward, here's what we're going to do. There is cake and punch up here this morning. And this is how we're going to enjoy the grace that God has given us. We'll all come up, you grab the plate, you take the cup, you go sit down, and then I'm going to instruct you on what to do. And when we're done eating, there's like these poppers and there's some of these other things that you can just celebrate. But man, may this cake be a reminder of the goodness and the taste of what life can be when you follow Jesus. So when you're ready, come up, grab your cake, grab your punch, sit down, and then I'll lead us through the final moments. When you're ready, come on up. Lord, we thank you for the power and the joy of what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would become a community that would celebrate how you are changing lives. I pray that you would use us. May we not get stuck on the inside, but may we leave here excited about what you've done for us in a way that when we meet people on the street, they would look at us and say, man, I want whatever you have. May we be a people that looks like a movement of you, a movement of the spirit where we are changed inside and then we go out and we bring those on the outside you are for everyone. I pray that we would become a community that reflects the goodness of you that looks like the kingdom. And so today as we leave, may we continue to celebrate what you've done. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ.